Hi, I'm Delaney Rustin, and this is the Finding Mental Health Podcast. I'm a physician working with the underserved, and I make documentaries for social change. But most of all, I'm a mental health advocate. I have seen so many mental health challenges in my family, in myself, and all around me. And I think as a society, we can do a lot better in this area. If you do too, you're in the right place. My dad, Richard Rustin, he was sweet and quirky, but he could be really on the down and outs because he had the misfortune of getting schizophrenia while in college. Getting dad help was never easy, and often it's really difficult for me to find good mental health services and such for the people I see in clinic. And with my neighbors and friends, who at times know something is not right with their thinking or their feelings, but they don't know how to begin to address it. All this made me want to start this show, to have candid conversations with authors and researchers, people with lived experience, advocates, and others, about what's out there, what's working, and how to get people to such things when they need them. My guest today is Jesse Close sister of actress Glenn Close. Jessie has had her share of mental health challenges beginning in her teenage years. Since 2009, she's worked with her sister, Glenn Close, in creating a major nationwide advocacy movement, Bring Change to Mind. She talks to us today about what worked for her to improve her own mental health and her son's, and about her work with Bring Change to Mind. Hi, Jesse. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you. It's good to be here. Jesse, can you tell us a little bit about the situation in your life when you realize that, hey, things aren't right, something big is going on with my mental health? Gosh, I don't know if I even said that so um, clearly. Um, I wasn't properly diagnosed till I was 50, so living the way I lived was pretty normal for me. Um, now that I have been on the right medication for the past 10 years, I, I know what I really am like without the mood problems. Um, I think when I started obsessing on committing suicide, I definitely knew something was wrong. Um, even though I had tried to commit suicide a couple times when I was much younger, um, I had I had kids and a home, and um, when I was really wanting to do away with myself, so I knew something was really off. What were your mood swings like? Tell us what your diagnosis is. I was um, life of the party, or Lying on the couch in a fetal position, those were my two normal states of mind. The diagnosis that is, is being properly medicated right now is bipolar 1 um, with psychotic tendencies, and I tend to a mixed state in, in rapid cycling. So I've got a, I got a big mouthful there, and... Um, I take medication. Wow. I can hear people thinking that, you know, it's a cop-out to use medication, but um, 
it's kept me alive. It really has. For you, rapid cycling, what did that look like without treatment? I, I drove one husband away with it. It's uh, when you're really sweet and wonderful, and uh, and then the next probably half an hour, then you're uh, horrible and um, cantankerous, and, and then the next half an hour you're bouncing off the walls again and then saying, oh, I'm so sorry, and then doing the same thing all over again. It's it's literally going from mania to depression in cycles of 30 minutes, and it's exhausting. I mean, a lot of people turn to substances as a way of dealing with their mental health problems. Were you in um, any kind of services or support to stop the alcohol? Yes, AA. Um, I am now 61, and I've been sober for uh, 13 years and nine months. And it's made probably one of the biggest changes in my life. But, Jesse, if it was, you know, making the depression worse, was... Was it overall kind of numbing you? Well, after, after a while, it became a physical necessity. I would start feeling sick to my stomach in the afternoon if I didn't have a drink around 4 o'clock. Um, booze certainly made my suicidal tendencies much worse than it would have without alcohol. Was there an event that made you finally get help? Yes. Um, I had... Uh, Thoughts of suicide that that would not stop. They were just going around and around and around in my head. And I all I could hear was, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself. And I was trying to function, but it wasn't working. Um, and I, my daughter and I just happened to be down in Wyoming visiting my sisters and my mom and dad. And uh, we were about to get in the car, my daughter and I, and go back up to Montana, um, and I knew I needed to say something. So I went and I found Glenn, and uh, she could tell something was going on just by my expression, and I finally told her, um, you know, I hadn't told anybody, so I finally told her that I couldn't stop thinking of killing myself, and uh, I didn't want to do that. But it felt like I was out of control, and I was afraid that I would. And my children, have I have three children, and their um, presence in this world makes it necessary for me to be here, as any parent is. Um, I didn't want to... I didn't want to destroy them by doing such a thing. So I reached out, and uh, in a week I was in the hospital. <laughs> it might even have been less than a week. I can't remember. How was the hospital for you? The only problem I had was with the, the night nurse because, of course, I didn't like to sleep, and I'd be up you know, do-do-do-do-do, and he'd say, you need to go back to bed, and I'd say, but I'm wide awake, and he'd say, and you need to go back to bed. <laughs> Why do you think it took so long to get the help you needed? 
you know, even even with so much evidence, I didn't want to believe that I had a mental illness. I I thought that maybe I was faking it or, you know, why would I be faking it? There's no reason, <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> when you came out with your family, how did that go? Oh, they were all incredibly wonderful. They were they were great. Mm-hmm. And how had they always kind of um, explained your behavior before? They didn't really, I guess, see it as what it is—an illness at that point. No, they mm-hmm. didn't. Um, they well, they saw it kind of the same way I saw it because we're all from the same family. Uh, I was irresponsible. I was. Uh, I made bad decisions. I was wild. Um, you know. I'm wondering about other things that have helped in this recovery path. You probably have a psychiatrist you see. How does that go? Yeah, I check in with him. Um, actually, I check in every two weeks, sometimes a month if I'm doing super well. Um, I have a psychologist who I adore um, here in Montana, and uh, I went to him once a week for quite a while. Uh, before I got treatment, I was going to him twice a week, but without medication, uh, talk therapy just didn't work completely. I think, you know, you need a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and uh, medication and and talk therapy together and exercise and eating right and, you know, makes the whole thing. It makes the whole enchilada your son, Kalen, he's become a mental health advocate like you. He has a diagnosis of schizoaffective disorder, which, let me explain, is a little bit about the thought disorder that comes with schizophrenia and then the mood element. That's the main issue around bipolar illness. When he was first getting treatment, what happened? Um. Well, he was with his dad when he first went in the hospital, and he was so manic he was just off the walls. Um, and his dad was able to uh, get him into a hospital, and he was in Helena, Montana. And believe it or not, they even had a small psych ward that where he could go. And this was probably the beginning of us trying to figure out why Kalen was acting the way Kalen was acting. And um, he went from there to hospital in Boston. And, um, oh, it was a long, it was a long road. It really was a long road Wow! on that one. In terms of going in and out of hospitals or in and out of, he didn't want to do treatment or I don't know. No, he was, he was. He was okay with treatment. He didn't want to be away from home, and he was there for two years. He came home for Christmas and I think a couple other, maybe twice twice a year for those two years. But um, I got worse because he would, when he was still quite psychotic, he would call me and tell me things that would really freak me out and then of course, that wasn't good for my mood, and I finally, the doctors had to tell me to not take his calls because they were so upsetting. 
um, having a child with psychiatric illnesses is, is not fun, to say the least. Um, it's absolutely devastating. He's back to being sweet, wonderful Kalen. But it took a really long time. When he was at the hospital for two years, how much of that was, you know, acute care in a hospital as opposed to on the campus in a structured living environment? Yes. He was um, in a community house where everyone was, you know, it was long-term care. The, the reason it took so long is because of the uh, medication trials. They would get the psychosis under control, and then he'd get depressed. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, it's uh, a bit of schizophrenia and a bit of bipolar Mm -hmm. in um, schizoaffective disorder. So, you know, they were just trying to get, get him balanced. Tell us what he's doing now. Oh, he's amazing. Uh, he's an artist, and he paints, and he does uh, woodwork, and he's married. And uh, one wonderful thing about uh, his marriage, when they he and his wife first started dating, um, she told her parents that she'd met this wonderful person, um, and he had schizoaffective disorder, and... They were horrified. And then she said that the reason they were no longer horrified is because they met him. Tell us about your advocacy movement with your sister, Glenn Close, Bring Change to Mind. Bring Change to Mind is our whole purpose is to help quell stigma. I planted the the germ seed in Glenn and asked her to please try and do something to use her to use her um, celebrity to to try and do something about the stigma that both Kaylin and I were uh, dealing with. And um, she first went to Fountain House in New York and really studied the the project. And after she had met many people with mental illness, she lost her stigma, um, and we started Bring Change to Mind. And the the first big thing was uh, shooting a PSA in Grand Central Station. Um, that was really, <laughs> that was something. Tell us about the new uh, PSA. Oh, I love the new PSA. Um, What's it called? It's called Psycho. And the camera is coming down a hallway, and you see a glass door at the end and shadows behind there, and there's scary music. And um, and then the door opens, and you see Kalen standing at a counter pouring coffee. And he looks up and says, sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> and uh, it's just it's really, really effective. In terms of your sister, actress Glenn Close, do people approach her about your work on stigma? People come up to her, yeah. The fight against stigma is always there with her. And I never get tired of telling people um, about the stigma and and how silly it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, it's more than silly. It's, 
it's dangerous, really. When people ask you about how to get mental health care, what do you say? Oh, I would look at the community where they live. I would look and see what is available for them. Um, There are lots of little towns in Montana. Some of them have help. Others don't. Um, You can find a mental health clinic if you really persevere and look. Um, And if you can't find a mental health clinic, go to your regular doctor. If you don't have a regular doctor, find one and start um, start getting better. Start looking at your recovery because nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah, it's, that's a very empowering message. Jesse, tell us about your upcoming book. It's called Resilience, and um, it's really the story of my life, uh, the story of mental illness in our family. And um, I'm very proud of it. Glenn wrote three vignettes for it, and she's with me on the cover. Um, Pete Early really, um, we co-wrote it, although he has, um, he wrote a book called Crazy, uh, which was a runner-up for the Pulitzer Prize and um, about his son's mental illness. So we were on the same page, and uh, I think without Pete, I'd still be writing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I understand about that. And and what what are some of the snippets we're going to see? How many husbands were there? Five. Five husbands. Okay, so we're going to go down this journey with you. Yeah. Yeah. And to the depth of it all, and, and also through all the recovery. Yeah. It'll take you to Africa and India and uh, out west here, and um, it's, it's, I think it's a good story. Wow. Well, that's great, and we look forward so much. I know I do to reading it. Jesse, well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Delaney, very, very much. And we will have all of this information about your book on the FindingMentalHealth.com site, as well as encourage everyone to go to Bring Change to Mind. That's with the number two. They're always doing interesting events and posting all sorts of information, and lots of the PSAs we talked about are there, including behind the scenes, which I particularly like. That's it for this episode of Finding Mental Health. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. You'll find us on Facebook and FindingMentalHealth.com, where you'll also find mental health resources. We hope to hear from you, and to get future podcasts, please subscribe on iTunes. Thanks to our team, production consultant Joshua McNichols, production assistant Selena Kariva, technical engineer C.J. Lazenby, and music by Grand Hallway through Jack Straw's artist program. <laughs>